keep Rayman Digital on the air by pledging to our Patreon page. Uh, your continued support allows us to continue to make great content and offer even better features in the future. Help us keep the lights on in the studio by pledging one to ten dollars a month. Go to patreon.com slash Rainman Digital to pledge. Warning from the back to tank contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue. We would be honored if you would join us. Workups on your condition indicate that all damage has been reversed. Recovery is total. I believe you have been quite fortunate. No further thanks are necessary, Commander, but you are most welcome. It is my function and pleasure as a medical droid to help and heal you and I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Hello, welcome everyone to Star Wars from the Back to Tank, the Bad Batch Edition. We are here again. Welcome, everyone. If you are new to our show, you can find all of our shows, past and present, on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Just search Star Wars from the Back to Tank. And if you're an iTunes listener, please do not hesitate. Give us a review. Uh, Give us five stars. That's what I want. If you can't give us that, then I don't want anything less. Okay? Uh, What good are you? To me, then. <laughs> Just like Dave. Wow. If David doesn't do as I ask, what good are you, Dave? I'm uh, I'm a good... Well, I can be kind of like your Chewbacca, just silent, okay. standing behind you. Chewbacca's Wait. far from silent. He's always <laughs> voicing concern. Well, to, David, but, if but, to David, if someone doesn't speak, you know, the English language, they don't speak, apparently. Yeah, exactly. Well, also that, I mean, Han never really pays attention I mean, you kind of can tell. <laughs> what are you trying to say? I don't pay attention to you now. Now you're throwing me into that category. I just ignore you. <laughs> All right. So today, the three of us, myself, Lauren, and David, will be discussing and breaking down the fourth episode of the Bad Batch titled Cornered. Uh, this episode had a lot of fun sequences, a lot of action to follow as the Bad Batch look for a place to hide. The episode gave us a bit of a break from any direct imperial involvement i was wondering when an episode like this would come uh, but that doesn't mean the writers slowed down the action and excitement i saw a few people voicing some complaints saying we're taking a breather already from the main story but i say did we take a breather from the bigger story i don't think so i <laughs> no, feel like we no. definitely pressed forward we just took a break from the imperial side but they definitely cleared the path for another story of pursuit and we saw a familiar face, Fennec Shan, David, is how you say her name. Okay. Listen to the pre-show. <laughs> and I love this. I love that Lucasfilm continues to bring characters from other shows, movies, you know, into projects where they would make sense. Makes sense, though. This has always been the biggest highlight for me. The moment the announcement went out that Disney was purchasing Lucasfilm. And I remember the very first little round table that they had of Kathleen Kennedy and Lucas were talking about everything they're going to be doing from the Disney side and how everything is going to be completely connected in a way that it's never been. And it took us 
a while, Dave and Lauren. What six years to actually start really getting that? It started with the Mandalorian, really, where they started fleshing out the bigger world post Return of the Jedi and connecting it now with characters like Fennec Shan that are bringing, or I should say, bridging uh, the Bad Batch to series like the Mandalorian. This is what I've always loved about Star Wars. It's just the the giant, robust world that we always used to get, even with the 90s, now retconned, um, expanded universe. Expanded universe, yeah, because it's only till now that we're kind of seeing it more for the mass audience. We've seen it for, like, the hardcore fans who read the comics, read the books, read everything, It right? was always our little secret. It was our our little secret. Yeah. and But now it's becoming, like, a mass audience thing where – I'm I, beginning I love to see, that. Yeah, I'm beginning to see fans that are outside of the hardcore Star normies. Wars fans. Normies. We call them normies. <laughs> yeah, normies. <laughs> but I've seen more people like that who just want to watch a good television show. Yeah. Now sitting down and seeing this and basically saying, oh, okay, this is actually really interesting. I'll go check out this show now. Well, it's opened the door. The Mandalorian did it. And say what you want about The Mandalorian. It has definitely brought in a newer audience, a different type of audience. It's more of the movie going audience because everyone goes to see a Star Wars movie and the Mandalorian ended up being a lot like that. You don't need to be a hardcore Star Wars fan to enjoy the movies or uh, even the Mandalorian, apparently. And you're right, Dave. The Mandalorian pretty much opened the door for larger audiences now to become privy to what we've known for years. Yeah. I mean, I love seeing the post on social media where people have just now discovered the clone wars because of Disney plus and the Mandalorian. Yes. And I see their delight and, and also their disappointment in themselves for never knowing the show existed. Well, not only that, I mean, because of the, what we're seeing in the new era of star Wars, you're seeing like even some of the older films, like, there was an article that I read about last week about mm-hmm. people talking about how the first three prequels were seen as a blemish on Star Wars oh, history, right? Geez. But now, <laughs> when you take a look at, when you actually take a vote of a fan audience, people are seeing that basically those movies are now being seen more positively. Yeah. Why? Because it's being connected to things that everyone's well, seeing, like Clone Wars. So there's that. And then there's also the the uh, prequel memes subreddit on Reddit. And that <laughs> has gotten so popular that yeah. people like it's now a commonplace like pop culture thing to reference the prequels specifically. Specifically. Yeah. It's now like a really common thing, especially with like, I don't know, under 30, like like every everyone under 30. They're like they're yeah. constantly quoting the prequels and doing the hello there. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's very true i love it because i i said this i think our on our last update show dave that and i'm sure this is very controversial but it's my humble opinion that the prequel films are far better than the original trilogy oh, I, I yeah think, i think they're way more complicated they're way more just multi-layered i i love the original trilogy don't get me wrong but it's relatively very simple in, in story and it worked for the time and it still holds up obviously but the prequels to me are just I think they're better made I, I feel like this I know that's very controversial because a lot of people shit on the prequels but oh, I, all I the think, time I think it's Martha syndrome and Batman versus Superman one person said it 
so the sheep are going to follow and say, yeah, that movie sucked, right, guys? Right, right? <laughs> it sucked? Now, now, here's the thing. I... You have slowly, ever since we started this show, you have, I know, that's my you, goal. You, you have won me over into looking at the prequels different. My goal is to manipulate and brainwash everyone I come in contact with. Are they better? I still can't say that. I cannot say that they are better than the original, but, the, but just like... After so, tonight's someone, waterboarding, Dave, you will say. <laughs> just like someone... <laughs> as, as someone the, the originals have a special place in my heart. Well, of course, they're amazing. I'm not. And they're amazing. Hold on a second. I don't want people thinking I don't love those movies. The original There's, trilogy yeah. is amazing, and I love it. But I There's a difference between like nostalgia, love, and like looking at something and going objectively. I think this is made better. Quality wise, or, I mean, yeah, yeah, quality yeah, yeah. quality wise. You can yeah. see content, a difference. Like, in- the content being like fuller and richer and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I agree. The prequels are better. Absolutely. In that regard. Yeah. All right. So getting back to Fennec, I assume most of us knew Fennec would be making it into this series thanks to the first trailer that dropped. But I wasn't quite sure how it would work because, you know, being 25 plus years before the Mandalorian, roughly, and knowing Ming-Na wins age, but it would seem they actually are going by her real life age for her character. Yes. Which I think works because a part of me is like, okay, what age range is she playing? Because Ming-Na Wen, I believe that's how you pronounce her name. I apologize yeah. um, if it's not correct. But it, she she can literally get cast at any age except maybe a teenager. The woman doesn't age. She's 57 fucking years old. <laughs> Amazing, isn't it? 57 years old. She's Stupid. been the... She's been in the business forever. And honestly, I think the last 10 years has been the best of her career. That's where she's really gained a lot of fame. So I wasn't quite sure what they were going to do. I'm like, was she cast as a 30-year-old? Because then it's not going to fucking work for her to be in the Bad Batch. She's going to be five years old. Whereas it looks like they're actually going with her original age, which works. And I like that. I think it's an interesting way to bridge a character over because they're going way back with this character. Yes, they are. And I'm hoping we return to her. I know she served a purpose for this episode and we'll get into that in a moment, but I'm hoping that she returns. And I'm not a big fan of the revolving door. Like, look who's here, kids. Put your hands together for, you know, Phoenix. You know, Finnick Shand from The Mandalorian. I'm not a fan of that type of thing. But if it's purposeful and maybe we get a little bit of backstory on her a little bit more, I think that would be a, a great way to prepare the audiences for oh, the yeah. upcoming Boba Fett uh, event series. Well, also, it goes goes well with continuity, too, because, you know, her character, by the time she's in Mandalorian, she has that notoriety Character-wise in the universe, like, remember when she gets when she gets first introduced, they treat her like she's one of the top elite bounty hunters. Right, yeah. Up there with Boba and, and the Mando. And then, but the thing I really like in this one, it's more or less portrayed like she's still, not, I wouldn't say she's a rookie, but she still hasn't made that big name for herself yet. Right. You know, by the time new. she is. Yeah. She's still like fresh. She's still a little green. She's got some experience, but she's not, you know, the the most feared and known assassin. Assassin. Around. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think Lucasfilm in general has a has a way of no matter who's in charge, but my God, especially Filoni. There there's something about it that just like hits 
different when when we get these little revolving door moments because yeah. it, it never it never just feels like oh that's there for no reason okay cool i guess like even when even if she doesn't serve like a huge purpose they're not gonna waste 10 minutes of an episode explaining to us who fennec shand is why they're yes, there why right. we should care like they just throw in and if you if you recognize her from the mandalorian, the mandalorian. yeah then you have that moment like i had sitting on my couch watching it like oh shit that's fennec shand and like cool okay moving on and yes and that's exactly how you should write a tv show yes. you don't want to become crutched by such a a robust connected universe that people can't just watch one show without watching another if you start to do that you're going to water down your tv shows and just start confusing people and they're not going to understand what's going what's on what's going on so dude. you are right they they introduced her in a way that we don't really need to know a whole lot right now it doesn't throw anyone off she serves her purpose while at the same time giving us a little bit of backstory for the people that are aware of her existence mm-hmm. in the star wars universe they don't treat viewers like they're stupid Yes. Yes. All right. So the title of the episode, as I had said, is titled Cornered. It's directed by Saul Reese and written by Christian Taylor. The synopsis on their way to a proposed hiding place on planet Idaflor, the Bad Batch is forced to stop on Pantora to gather supplies and for tech to modify their ship's signature to escape the Empire's wanted list. I think tech is quickly becoming one of my favorite characters because that guy can do anything. <laughs> yeah. Just ask him, can you do that? Oh yeah. Like it's nothing like, yeah. Why of course you even I ask can. I lo- has he said no once yet this entire show? No, no, that's almost been kind of like his thing is like, he is way ahead of everybody else and he never panics. Yeah. I totally dig his character. I like him way better in this show than I did uh, in the final season of Clone Wars. He was okay. I think my favorite character during the Clone Wars episodes was probably Hunter and Crosshair. But I think Tech is definitely taking that top spot for me. He's definitely getting interesting. So overall, Saul Reese and Christian Taylor, they gave us a fairly straightforward episode. I wouldn't say there was nearly as much substance as the previous episodes, but that doesn't mean they didn't write a great episode of television. I love what they did with the planet of Pantora, which correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think we've actually ever seen the planet. I believe they've mentioned this planet in the Clone Wars. They have. They mentioned it. But I don't think we've actually seen it. In fact, I believe we've saw the the people of Pantora. I want to say it was in the episode that took place in the snow in the first season of Clone Wars. Do you remember that episode where there was like a chancellor or a governor that wanted to force some indigenous folk off of a moon they owned that was in the Pantora system? Yes, yes. Let me look it up really fast. That was, I'm trying to actually find that. Trespass. Yes. I'm looking right now. According to the Star Wars wiki, <laughs> the first the first episode that it was mentioned was Trespass, which is the episode I'm talking about. Yeah. And then the second episode that it was the No, no, no. No, that's Fear the, of Influence was that, the first, the first a, appearance. official appearance. But I wouldn't even really call it an appearance because we never actually saw the planet. We had we saw the people of the planet on a, I believe one of their moons. So I, 
I believe this is the first time we've actually seen Pantor. And the reason why I bring this up is because it goes right back to, you know, your Jedi teachings. Uh, Filoni was given from Lucas. <laughs> Don't always use the same. We've seen Coruscant. We've seen Tatooine. We've yes. seen these planets. And that's one thing that Lucas has been adamantly um, vocal about numerous times, as well as his buddies, uh, James Cameron and uh, what was the other director? They said that the movies, the new movies are fine and great, but um, what are you doing that's new? What, exactly. Where's the new things? Where's the new things? And Filoni is obviously of that school of thought because he respects the past, but he continues to uh, evolve the story in a way that will either use something that was briefly mentioned or introduce new things. Introduce I mean, new things. Look at Bad Batch, for example. All original characters, you know, steeped in Star Wars lore and Star Wars canon, yes, but new characters, new ships, new planets for the most part. Um, and I appreciate that. Anytime we can flesh out this world that we find ourselves in all the time, the Star Wars world, uh, please give us more planets. I love it. Oh, yeah, because like it, it just makes the makes the universe even bigger. When, when they're able to do that. And Filoni and his crew, especially on the Clone Wars, are masters of it. Because, like, even, like, the subtle changes that they did to show that the vehicles. Mm -hmm. Because I actually researched that after the episode. All the vehicles that, that we see in the chase scenes, you'd expect all of a sudden, oh, it's like the Coruscant scene from the, the, the prequels. Yeah. But Filoni went out and basically... There's some, definitely game some plan. homages. Yeah, yeah, there's homages to it, but he game planned the fact that all those vehicles are all brand spanking new. They're different. Yeah. Giving new, new, like, new ideas and new concepts to how the vehicles run after that, uh, that scene, basically taking the technology forward. Do we know if Baloney and his showrunner, Jennifer Corbett, do we know if they're using past designs? From, uh, what's his name? Um, Macquarie. Oh, Ralph Macquarie. Uh, Ralph Macquarie. Are they Off using, because I know Rebels was just filled with planets yeah. and droids and all types of things that were actually from the mind of Lucas and Ralph Macquarie. So I'm yeah. wondering if he's utilizing those same things that were not used, things from the vault oh, he, um, to, uh, to craft uh, his worlds and... And spaceships for Bad Batch. I know in the past episodes, they made mention that a couple of the droids that we see in the very beginning of the season, some of them are actually based on some of Macquarie's earlier drawings. They're not releasing any behind the scenes stuff, are they? Because in years not past, yet. for Rebels and Resistance, they did, uh, <laughs> what did they do? They uh, Rebels, Rebels Recon. Rebels Recon. And then, then they did the Resistance. Uh, yeah. Resistance Recon. It was called the, uh, the shit cast. <laughs> no, uh, and, and remember, we were actually saying in Resistance Recon, they were starting to pull back on it. Yeah, because no one was watching. <laughs> no one cared. Why were they going to do a you know Resistance Recon when no one was actually watching the show either? Like, hey, guys, <laughs> so we had 100,000 people watch this, and we had 5,000 people watch our recon. Uh, let's just uh, call it wraps. <laughs> Like, how how dare you, honestly, like, how dare you be so ballsy as to do, like, a, a show, like, an after show, like, that kind of thing, um, when you're following up something like Rebels with Resistance? 
Honestly, <laughs> Rebels true. was phenomenal, and Resistance hit no marks for me. Like, oh, did, yeah, you, did you start twitching when you saw the alien, though? I was laughing. Wait, which one? Which alien? There was, there was a, the, when Omega sees the dog-like aliens in the car. Oh, yeah, because that's <laughs> those are the dog- right? Yeah, that's from Resistance. <laughs> those are the dogs that basically, uh, the one pilot. Yeah, it that- triggered me. Never mind the alleged whitewashing. Those fucking dog worms, whatever the fuck they are. <laughs> I was like, going, oh, monsters. man, I wonder if Mike is twitching right now because those are the same dogs that basically... Uh, Kaz has to actually drag around on on the Colossus. Uh, okay. Let, let's just forget that ever existed. <laughs> the everything in the background was amazing, though the animation oh, on it. Everything in the background, all the people they they weren't doing generic, uh, like like those generic like half effort walks or just like copied and pasted animations. Like there's one scene. Where Hunter's running and he he's looking for Omega. He runs past a beggar on the street sitting down. And the beggar just fluidly puts out an arm and looks at Hunter and leaves the arm outstretched. And like, yeah, it, it's it's so good. I'm glad you brought that up, Lauren, because I was thinking the same thing because my mind goes to how they're doing it. Because I did notice that everything is very alive. It's not lifeless. There's so much movement. And that's why I say it's cinematic. It's just like a movie. There's real people moving. There's real people doing things. And they're mimicking that in this animation. And I'm wondering if they're using this technology. There is a post-production that a lot of studios have experimented with. And I don't know if it's moved into the mainstream pipelines uh, for editing. Where you're essentially dealing with an AI. You have an AI working on your background. So that it intelligently reacts to your main animation. So essentially you're giving it its own mind so that it reacts. And that helps with more variation in movement opposed to a guy actually going in there and animating variation who might just say, all right, this is good enough because everyone else is moving around. There's like 50 people back here. So I would like to find out what they're using because you're right, Lauren, there's a lot of life. To the background, to the yeah. backdrop. I believe a lot of the technology, as scary as it's as it is, a lot of the technology that we are seeing animation was that they're using. It's mind blowing. It's mind blowing, but it's also what what impresses me when I looked into kind of like a lot of the pro, uh, production behind everything was finding out that a lot of the technology comes from video games. Yeah, the video game industry. Yeah, they've really moved the CGI game forward. The CGI game has been absolutely escalated because All of the, because the video game the market. video game market. Yeah. Well, aren't they also running like the Unreal Engine in the uh, what is it called the 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 room of screens that they shoot Mando and like Kenobi in? I believe I so. I believe so. Light space or like I don't. It's called something cool, but they 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 run that on Unreal Engine. Yeah. I know, but this is why we need that after show. So that we after find show. out about these uh, yeah. these things because, yeah, these are all good questions. I, I, In fact, I was talking to my little brother earlier today about the episode who also specifically called me to just blow the animation. He's all, dude, the animation in this series is fucking amazing. I don't even feel like I'm watching uh, an animation at times. I yeah. forget. And I agreed. I'm like, yeah, dude, totally. I, I get it. It looks fantastic. But it makes you wonder, you know you know, what they're using, what they're utilizing. So hopefully we do get some tidbits on that because the animation is fantastic. The contrast of colors for this episode specifically from 
everywhere we've been so far in this series, you know, for the most part, we dealt with a lot of black, you know, darker gray tones, uh, more of a sterile look because we're dealing with the empire. Yeah. Uh, this yeah. is the first planet that is saturated with, with colors, colors. and teeming with Vibrant. city life. Yeah. The bean <laughs> red just... would have had a killer time tagging oh, that place. Yeah. I, I, I just thought about it like on a funny, on a more funnier thought. Yeah. Maybe Pablo Hidalgo just basically told uh, Filoni, you know, no more of the recon show shit because he's tired of actually answering all the questions. Oh, you know what? <laughs> that actually might, you actually might be onto something, Dave, because <laughs> Hidalgo is the one that was, uh, that was a big part of those. Yes. And I'm wondering if because uh, his little accident online where he was belittling <laughs> yes, a Star Wars little... fan that was crying. Yes. Um, <laughs> which is still, still don't understand Wait, how an executive... What? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. You didn't hear about he, that. He went <laughs> on a, fa- I guess, a very a, a well-known Star Wars YouTuber who was super excited for Luke's appearance in the Mandalorian, and he started crying during his reaction video. And Pablo Hidalgo, an executive producer for Lucasfilm, <laughs> decided to be a troll and go mock. The YouTuber, the YouTuber for crying. <laughs> and I was, and no one understands why. Because you're like, dude, the dude is talking good shit. Maybe if the YouTuber was a troll, maybe you might want to give a little jab. But he was celebrating the awesomeness of it. Your, your show it. succeeded. Like that moment yeah. that you were trying to build succeeded. It brought and someone the, to tears the with this all the, excitement. The only excuse I could come up with for Hidalgo at that time was like, you know, maybe all those years of him having to deal with random Star Wars fans just coming up, asking him the most inane questions of all time. You know, what is this vehicle over here? I think what it is, is I think it, it had drove to do crazy. I think a perfectly to be perfectly honest, I think it has to do with the split in the fandom. Uh, pa- Pablo. Pablo, one of my redneck, Pablo <laughs> Hildago is on the Ryan Johnson side of things. Yes, Even though is. that isn't a side, but there are is there a split in this fandom? It's two groups. There is the pro Last Jedi, Ryan Johnson, we love you. And then there is the Dave Filoni crowd, and they have been split because they think Dave Filoni is like Lucas. And if you haven't seen on social media, because social media is the devil, it has now become popular to now say the prequels are garbage and Lucas was a shitty director because of this. And they show you a gif of something from the prequels and they mock his movies and say, why do you guys like this garbage, but continue to shit on Ryan Johnson, which I don't understand that because if you're a star Wars fan, why are you trying to prove, <laughs> prove your, your point, point by shitting on something you probably should love? So I'm wondering because Hidalgo has fallen on that other side of things yeah, he's with uh, I'm Kennedy wondering and- if he did that because this YouTuber is one of the guys who has been vocal. He's not a troll. He's actually a, a decent YouTuber for the most part. He's not in t- he's not an asshole like some of the podcasters have, <laughs> yes. have become. But he he um I believe he's not a Last Jedi fan. So I'm wondering if Hildago decide, oh, you're gonna you know, you've mocked us, so I'm going to go mock you. And it didn't end well because he's an executive producer and this guy's a fan. And this guy was a right. fan. And everyone's like, going, Listen, what is wrong with Pablo? <laughs> yeah. I was unaware that we had to pick teams here. I'm just pro Star Wars. Exactly. That's what we all should be. Yeah. Sometimes it's bad. And even when it's bad, it's still pretty good. Yeah, exactly. 
All right, so I did like how they showed a major city following, uh, falling under the control of the Empire because so far all we've seen is the backwater towns in this series in yes. order to sell the idea that the Empire is in complete and total control. It helps to see even more, I believe, the civilized regions and how little effort was actually needed for them to fall in line with the Empire it really gives you a snapshot of what the galaxy looked like post-war, which is what, you know, many folks of Star Wars fans probably, you know, are wanting to know what really happened. We have some stories here and there, probably a total of maybe a dozen stories or so via books and comics um, of what happened, but we don't truly have a clear picture. You know, many folks probably are excited, you know, in the world of Star Wars, excited the war is over, never really thinking just how nefarious the entire thing really is Uh, i believe hunter actually said something to the effect that he was surprised how fast everything is happening yes and it makes me wonder if that will be a part of the show later to have your character voice something like that it's very specific will they investigate the war will the series eventually turn into an an investigation of the war and will the bad batch find out that the entire thing was a charade well, it has and to. Even their creation honestly. was a part of the charade. Yeah. Imagine that story to find out the only reason you're alive is solely due to Palpatine manipulating events. A true puppet of war is all they've really amounted to. Yeah. And then you bind that with the inhibitor chip scenario. I'm hoping they go down that track. Oh, they have to. Yeah. They absolutely have to with everything that you, you, you st- uh, stated because like, they started that question, I mean, within the, la- the first three episodes that we have in Bad Batch, the whole inhibitor chip, I love that that story arc, and it seems to be bleeding well into everybody else's story arc. Yeah. And then on top of that, the use of the propaganda still, dude, is still one of That's gotta the remain. most amazing things because it's so subtle, but it's also still the creepiest moments for me, just like when they land on the pla- uh, on the planet and you hear the announcer go, yeah, welcome to the Empire. It's remember, Rampart, yeah. remember, trade in your credits and you'll get Imperial credits and get your little get your little number to actually identification number ready. And I'm like going, that still boggles my mind that they, they're able to tell a story like that that is so dark, but it's like done subtly that it doesn't bother the audience. Right. It doesn't disturb the audience too much because – if you think about it, everyone has stated, well, how did the Empire get into control so fast? The use of propaganda. Well, not just propaganda. You got to remember Palpatine. Yes, that is definitely a big tool. Dave. The manipulation. Wrong, but also Palpatine had planned this entire thing. He was ready exactly. with every single contingency to take control. And I'm hoping that's what they just they investigate. I don't I don't care if the show becomes the I don't really care for the show to become an entire thing with it. That's what they do is let's investigate how this started. But if it ends up being a part of the overall story, I think it would make a lot of sense because you're already dealing with those types of themes. Yeah. Because you're introducing the concept of the inhibitor chip and and uh, or the origins of it and really exploring that. Obviously, we know that they're going to continue to go back to that. The fact that tech made it a point to say that he's uh, studying the effect on the inhibitor chip. The writers had him say that because this is going to be a thing. And when it comes back to the war and having our characters possibly stumble upon the truth, 
Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe there's only a handful of people that actually know what really happened. Dooku is one. Yeah. Okay. And I'm talking the intricacies. Sure. The rebel Alliance may have their ideas and they may have, but they don't have proof, but do they have concrete proof? This is this entire thing was an elaborate plan. I don't think to this day we have gotten a comic book or a book that ever stated that Luke Leia. Now we know in the last Jedi, Luke mentions that, Everything was caused by a Jedi. So I'm assuming by that time he had put it all together through his own investigation that he realized that the entire thing was just concocted by Palpatine. Yeah. And we could also assume that possibly Anakin told him himself because of, you know, the force spirit thing. So there are many ways why Luke would know at that time. But right now, immediately after, between Revenge of the Sith and Return of the Jedi, or even The Mandalorian, there's no way the galaxy knows. No. There was too much propaganda. To this day, just to bring it closer to home, to this day, we don't fully know everything that Nazi Germany did to the Jews. Well, you got to also remember, even like, even at the end of Mandalorian, the last season, the way that Luke is portrayed is basically he's the one that brought down the Empire. They don't know any reason why. They just know that Luke was part of the Rebel Alliance. Right. Even, yes. And you mean the larger, the larger things from a larger perspective. The larger perspective, yeah. The right? galaxy perspective. Yeah, the galaxy right. pers- perspective. They don't know why the, why the big battle between Luke, Vader, and Emperor, the Emperor went the way it did. But all they know is the Rebel Alliance won that day. That's it. The Republic won. But did they? Not the way, though, the Republic wants them to know well, how it Honestly, it's more, it's realistic. Getting, we're getting into the weeds here, but honestly, exactly. them, not, them having a major win, but not really gaining immediate control of the galaxy would make sense. It because they're sense. basically a militia. They're, they're organized, but they don't have the government reach that the Empire had from, we don't have, Let's just assume decades of planning via, you know, Plagueis and and Palpatine. So, again, bringing it back to the fact that this could be a show that explores that it, there's a bit of vindication, you know, for, you know, as a as a viewer being a fan of the Bad Batch and to hopefully get that. I feel like there's a bit of vindication when other people within the story actually figure out what has happened. Yeah. Because as of now, getting back to this, as of now, I believe Dooku is is one of yeah. the individuals that knows everything from start to finish. Yeah. Tarkin, I believe as well. It was alluded to the fact that Tarkin was observant enough to see everything yeah as it was happening i believe it was in the tarkin tarkin book he he never stated that this is what they're doing but he had alluded to it alluded to it in a conversation with dooku that he sees what they're doing the bigger plan and dooku denied it if memory serves me correct is that right dave yes but that's also why the emperor kept tarkin very close right so we can assume tarkin knows everything and we know Dooku does, but that's what two, three people, maybe Anakin knows eventually. I don't even think Anakin knows. Right I don't away. think Anakin knows the whole, the whole extent of everything. I don't think he understands until way later that, um, Pal, uh, Padme was bait was a way to manipulate him. I, I believe he figured that out in a later comic book. Yes. So no one really knows what's going on. So I feel like this is an area we really can't explore. Oh, absolutely. Because like, 
but the, here's the thing. The caveat to that, now that I thought, think about it, you can't make a lot of people see this, uh, see it, figure out the mystery. A lot of people can't figure out the mystery because it'll take away some of that, some of that mysticism or the, the mystery that we see in the original trilogy and especially in the Mandalorian. Cause if too many people know about this, then, you know, you, you would take away something from those narratives because the whole manipulation of the, of Palpatine, honestly, that story arc is set only in the prequels. It's never brought up in the originals, in the original trilogy, the, 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 the whole story of the original trilogy is a story of hope. Yeah. That's it. You know, you even get this idea that they're not fighting because they know what the emperor did. No. The rebels just trying are, to survive. Oh, yeah. the rebels you're talking about? Yeah, the rebels. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're just fighting because they're they're fighting for a sense of individual freedom. Yeah, right. They don't know everything that happened, but they understand it doesn't look right. It the doesn't fact look that right. an empire formed uh, seemingly out of thin air. Yeah, absolutely. And that would make sense why we do have these these offshoots popping up. And that's something I've always wondered too. And I'm hoping they're going to get into that. The fact that they introduced Saw Gerrera, we know by the uh, beginning of Rogue One that Saw Gerrera became so radicalized that he uh, formed an offshoot of the Rebel Alliance that even the Rebel Alliance themselves were afraid to <laughs> yeah. have direct contact. Hey man, they're not with us. <laughs> they're not with us. Yeah. So I think that's another avenue that they can also explore how these different offshoots you know, popped up, especially because it's only a matter of time before Rex and Ahsoka show up. And we know that Ahsoka at this time is uh, probably working on that whole uh, alias. Um, what was she called in uh, Rebels? I forgot now. Oh, uh, Fulcrum. Fulcrum. That was the yeah. code name for all the rebel hidden uh, yeah. agents. Yeah. So it's only gathering, a matter of- gathering people with uh, General Organa's secret help. And yeah. Yeah. So it's only a matter of time before we even get that connection. I still say, though, man, I mean, like, I don't think Ahsoka is going to show up in Bad Batch. I really don't. I, think, I feel like a lot of people expect her to. Maybe not this season. It might be a little too early in the timelines because this is right after Revenge of the Sith. And we know that she's completely trying to, she's confused true. and trying to figure out everything. Yeah. Uh, and the Jedi way would be for her to go off into hiding and meditate and figure out what's actually happening. So for her to be gone from the first season would make sense. Would but make eventually sense. she's got to make an appearance. It would feel weird for Rex and ahsoka not to pop into the series i think i think at least rex in season one maybe in season two we might see ahsoka yeah but like it goes back to like the one of the things that me and you mentioned i think in the second episode is the strength of this series is its ability to actually stay away from kind of like the whole force element we're seeing a series that has no Jedis in it. And yet it's good. And, and I, yet it's fantastic. David, what have I always said? That if it doesn't have the Force in it, I don't want it. You That's don't want just it. my thing. I I like <laughs> Star Wars for the Force. And so far... Have we gotten we, anything? We have been given the Star Wars vibes in, in a way that works even without the element of the Force. It, it takes me back to Solo. I love Solo. I feel like it's, the, in my opinion, it's the best Star Wars movie that they've made in this Disney era. It's fantastic. Um, so good. It's so good. It's underrated. People shit all over it. And yet I, I don't know what they're watching. 
It's amazing. I still maintain that the people that really shit on it are the ones that didn't actually go support it and see it in theaters because they bandwagon hated it before it came out. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. And that's my favorite Star Wars movie of this era. And that has no force. And I, I yes, Darth Maul at the end. I get that. But but for the most part, the movie stands on its own. And yes. it worked. And it had so much Star Wars vibes. And this is no different. All right. So when it comes to Omega, we didn't get a lot more in the way of character de- development. But someone is after her. That. That much we know. And th- and it's a bit of a question, right? Because yes. we're not quite sure who hired Fennec Shand to get Omega. At first, I wasn't too surprised to see her because it would make sense that possibly the Empire put out a bounty on the Bad Batch. But then Fennec Shand was only after the girl. Yes. So it leaves you wondering who's pulling her strings. Yeah. Who is sending her to go get the girl? Is it the Kaminoans? Kaminoans. That's what I thought. Are the ones that hired Finnick Shan? Because, My hey, money's on that. Yeah, that's what I would assume. Because if they're not after the rest of the group, then who else would possibly know of her and know what she could do? Because Know yeah. that she's worth something. Yeah. Th- those are the only ones. And it's it really was, for me, the big surprise in the episode was finding out that basically, oh, Fennec is not after all of them. She's not after them because they have the bounty on them. She right. was hired to go get Omega yeah. herself. That's it. Yeah. So do you think it's going to be a big reveal or do you think it's simply the I Kaminoans? Think, I think it's going to be a big reveal because oh, like, you don't it's, think it's the Kaminoans. A part of me at first said it's the Kaminoans, but that would be too easy. That would be far, far too easy for the narrative to yeah. also be the Kaminoans. Possibly. Because you got to remember, the Kaminoans are trying to keep this a secret. Right. Right. They so did they, say that, right? They, they, they didn't they, use the word secret, but you do get the idea that they don't want the Empire knowing what's happening yet. And remember, the one guy basically, the one leader basically said, no, let's let's step back away from this, see this, how this plays out first. Yeah. And then we'll react. I don't think the Kaminoans are actually... Are are right now hunting down for Omega? Not yet. Okay. Well, and that's why I'm like going. We'll find out, right? Yeah. And that's why I'm like going, I think it's going to be a big reveal in the end. It's part of the mystery of what makes Omega special. Yeah. I like it. Whether it ends up being the Kaminoans or not, I do like that it's not completely spelled out. That it allows that that mysterious intrigue there to work. I do hope we get more Finnick Shan, though. She's definitely a welcome addition to the ever-evolving world oh, of Star Wars. Yeah. Definitely nice. No crosshair this episode. Things were left on simmer when it comes to that area of the story, which is fine. Yes. We have 12 more episodes to look forward to, which will definitely give us all the crosshair we could possibly manage, I'm sure. Literally anything can happen. Like, we're talking so much, like, in almost absolutes at some points. This is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. But honestly, anything can happen. We have 12 more episodes to go. Oh, yeah. That's... And look how much story has already <laughs> transpired in four episodes. Look how much story we've been given. And yet all the story, all the narrative and all the story arcs, have you guys noticed that they all bleed into each other? So it's not like, oh, we're going to focus on this story arc and take away from everybody else's. Yeah. It's a coherently written series. Yeah. Yeah. And like all the story arcs for every single character matter to everybody. It's good stuff. All right. This brings us to our final thoughts. Uh, Lauren, why don't you kick things off? Give me your RMD score and your final thoughts. 
Okay. Um, shoot. I wasn't ready for that. Let's go with a, let's go with an 88. Um, this episode was really good. It was interesting. There wasn't, there was still enough to keep us interested and keep the story moving forward in its own way. Um, but it took like a tiny step back from the overall story, Mm -hmm. um, and just kind of honed in on, you know, Omega's special. Oh, also look, you know, meanwhile, here's where the empire's at. It's still chugging along. They're still taking everything over and with little to no resistance in most like large cities and stuff. Um, the animation was like, it's good every episode, but this city and, and the, the backgrounds and the people and the cars, everything was just dynamic and yeah. alive and beautiful. I could not take my eyes off of stuff in the background. And there was a scene where, um, where o- Omega is with Fennec Shand. No, wait, no, no, no. She's, she's running away and she runs through a cloud of smoke and the camera does this kind of yeah. twist pan and the smoke disappears. It is cinema at its finest. Like what? It's, it's crazy. So good. So good. It's like, it was a little calmer this week while still maintaining a good level of action. Um, a really solid episode. I'm going to go with an 88. Okay. All right, Dave, go ahead. Uh, I'm going to give it a slightly higher grade just because uh, I know last episode, I think I gave the last episode a 92. This one is a simple 90 for me How, uh, because it What's loses, a simple 90. Well, it's, it, lo- it loses <laughs> points from last week because is there a complicated 90. It's a complicated 90. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. A complicated 90 would be something that, you know, I want to hate or I want I want to love, but everyone hates. Okay, <laughs> but, good answer. Um, with this particular one, just like what you guys each both said, is like they took a step back away from the the main story. Yeah, to probably give the audience a beat, kind of like that breather. Okay, take a deep breath. Here we go. We're gonna continue on this like slow pace of two minor, uh, two uh, major story themes, which is Omega and the Imperial. Uh, Empire taking over the galaxy and we're going to let everyone just kind of take a breather now from their stories. All right, fine. But they ramped it up in the animation. I mean, not just, not just in like some of the stuff that you guys said, the lighting has been, was fantastic in the last episode. I don't know how, but the lighting got better. In this episode. Are you talking about the lighting of the skin tones? The light- because that's definitely better. <laughs> no, 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 not the light. I'm not going to whitewash this episode. <laughs> but the the way they use the shadows, especially the fights, the, the, the confrontation between Wrecker and Fennec Shad in the sewers, that was beautifully lit. Like, I was like going, oh, this is, this actually feels like it's a really honest to God set that I'm looking at. Yeah, it's and, cinematic, man. It's and so good. I'm glad Lauren brought up the whole point about that one shot, the fog shot, because you know me, Mike, as a filmmaker, yeah. I love my use of fog. It was awesome. But I've never seen it to perfection in an animation because I'm sure if we had like, you know, Greg or any other people who know about animation, they probably would tell me that smoke is the hardest thing to freaking do in in animation because that's what i always hear is that smoke and fog is difficult because you have to do it that's to, why you just uh, use real fog just use real practical fog come on 
and and get yourself some fog liquid and light that <laughs> motherfucker up. Liquid. But getting a chance to see that being done well in this episode was fantastic. Yeah. So another strong episode, in my opinion. All right. So your uh, was 90, 90 your score. Okay. So yeah. Lauren gave it. I write all this down so I can go back to it and use it against you guys later. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, I David, gave it an 88. Okay. 90%. Lauren gave it an 88. All right. And I will give this episode an 86%. And I'm not going to go into too much detail as to why my thoughts were pretty much sprinkled throughout the entire episode discussion. I'm enjoying this show. I I love pushing play every <laughs> Friday here. morning. Yeah. I, I kind of cringed a little bit and didn't know what to expect with the Mandalorian because the Mandalorian is like the stock exchange. It just goes up and down <laughs> in quality. <laughs> One episode true. is fucking mind blowing. And then the next episode is kind of like, what the fuck were you guys doing? And then the next episode is like, oh, my God, this is the best show ever. <laughs> and then the next episode reminds me that it's not the best show ever. <laughs> so I, I like that the Bad Batch is consistently Consistency. fucking good. Yep. All right. So this does bring us to the end of our discussion. Be sure to go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Digital and pledge. If you pledge uh, $5 or more a month, you do gain access to all of our additional back to tank discussions. It's thousands of hours that you instantly gain access to once you subscribe to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Digital. Thank you. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you. Thank you, David. Thank you. May the force be with us. Ah, yes. <laughs>